Alright, welcome back. We are back, we back, we back. Hey. Happy 420. Uh, we are here with another episode of the Gumbo Podcast. Uh, my name is Ja. I'm Dugo. We're here today to talk about more fantasy football topics, more debates and conversations that may or may not help your fantasy teams. So, uh, how are you feeling today, Dugo? Man, I've been feeling pretty good. I mean, it's 420. Oh. How can you complain about anything? Wait, right what time now? is it? Uh, right now it's 535. Oh, that's unfortunate. So, it's that's not 420, unfortunately. That's not great. There's a couple things I want to talk to with you about today. Yeah, man. Um, I, I'm all about uh, fantasy football, uh, 420. You know, it's glad that we could integrate those two together. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So what, um, do you, what did you want to lead off with today, man? You, you know what? There's a couple of things that... Actually, you know what I wanted to lead, lead off with today? What's up, bro? In honor of 420, I want to know players that you are high on. I like that. You I like, like that? that? Yeah. Can I get a um, round of applause? Hey. Yeah, so, you know, a couple people that I'm high on... Uh, I'd say Jonathan Taylor and Elijah Moore. Okay. So both the reason why I'm high on both these guys, just to start out with, both of them are really young. Uh, JT is 23. Elijah Moore is 22. So, I mean, they're both extremely young. They they both have shown that they can be productive. And, you know, I mean, obviously Elijah Moore wasn't the number one on his team, but what he had flashes of last season definitely showed that that's what he could be on the Jets. Okay. And JT, obviously he put his stamp on uh, the Colts offense and obviously the whole league this year. Oh, yeah. And I personally think this year wasn't uh, like an anomaly. I think this guy is going to actually have a better year this upcoming year. You think he goes for 2,000 yards? Yeah, so last year he went for 18-11 rushing. That's damn close. I think he's going to go for around uh, 21 this upcoming year. 2,100? Yeah. Would that be Derrick Henry's record that he set a couple years ago? I'm not sure exactly, but I don't really... It's not really about the record. I just want to see him eclipse uh, 2,000. You know, that's obviously what everyone Mm -hmm. really tries to do, and I think he's going to do it next year. Um... And I think he's probably going to go for about uh, 2,500 all-purpose yards. So last year he had uh, 360 receiving yards and two touchdowns. So, you know, he wasn't a slouch in the backfield either receiving. Yeah. And I think that Matt Ryan, I think he's he's smarter. He likes to hit checkdowns a little more, I think. You know, mm-hmm. Carson Wentz usually went for like more of like the deep balls. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to uh, sprain his ankle and throw it to uh, defender both his ankles. in the same fucking play. Yeah, it was ridiculous, dude. Insane. But, you know, that's what he wanted to do out there. <laughs> I mean, give the guy props, you know. But, no. So, Matt Ryan, I think he's going to have a little bit more composure. You know, just, uh, I, I think it's going to be a lot more like checkdowns and stuff. I think it's going to be uh, an offense revolved around JT. Really, and I think they're able to do it because of the offensive line that they have, and the fact that they have Michael Pittman on the outside who can block. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you look at their offenses, it's revolved around JT. It looks like. Quick question, and I guess this kind of strays off topic, but I know you're high on Jonathan Taylor next yeah. year. Are you high on Michael Pittman with Matt Ryan now? 
You know, I, I am because I still see productivity there. And I see, mm. I, you know, I don't have the Michael Pittman stats in front of me right now. But the thing that I'm, I think is going to be better for Michael Pittman is the ability to work off a of play action. I mean, he was obviously able to do that last year with JT. Do you think Matt Ryan is just better at it? Yeah, I think he's more accurate. And I think he's going to be able to make smarter, uh, more dependable reads. Okay. So, uh, I think that just, uh, in general, I think the offense just gets a uh, an uptick in productivity. What I like about Matt Ryan is he does have a history with Julio Jones of just, like, targeting. He used to target Julio like crazy. Um, and he made sure that his primary weapon or his best receiving option got the ball. Right. I think he does the same with Michael Pittman. Absolutely. But what if the best receiving option actually ends up being JT as well? And, like, what if we see JT with, like, something crazy, like uh, like 75 receptions or something at the end of the season? It's possible. I mean, that would be unreal. I would be down for that. I don't have him on my team, but, I mean, I would trade just about my whole team to get him if I could. In terms of receiving, I mean, last year he saw 51 targets. He caught 40 of them. Yeah. Went, I, I went for about 360. Yeah, I know adding another 30 so would be kind of a stretch, but I would love to see it. Yeah, a lot of dump-offs there, but, you know, it's possible, especially with the extra game. Definitely. Um, speaking of running backs, though, there is one guy that I'm high on that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Who's that? Uh, the guy that I'm high on actually used to be a fisherman. Oh, okay. Um... So, he, after he was a fisherman, he went and played semi-pro football. Okay, okay. I don't want to stereotype or anything, but you're kind of giving me like Hunter Renfro vibes because I know he's a little older. Are, are you talking <laughs> Hunter Renfro? Hunter Renfro looks like he'd fit. <laughs> Bro, he's a little older. Like I don't like. I know he didn't go semi-professional. I know he went to Clemson. <laughs> All right. So no, I'm not talking about Hunter Renfro. I'm talking about Dearness Johnson, uh, running back on the Cleveland Browns. Okay, that makes more sense. Wait. Wait, he was a fisherman? He was a fisherman back in what the day. What kind of fish was he fishing so for? So, he went undrafted, uh, I think, in the 2018 draft. He went to a New Orleans Saints minicamp. He didn't get signed, so he spent a lot of 2018 fishing for Mahi Mahi. Uh, he was out in the Key West, um, I think, with like one of his buddies or something. Dang, so he's probably just training all day, doing that, and fishing. Just working and fishing, man. That's a peaceful life. That's a great life. That's crazy. and it, He was definitely smoking, probably. Yeah, I mean, if you out in Key West, bro. Shoot. Bro, that's, yeah, that's that's amazing. Good for him. But, and now, I mean, go ahead. Yeah, say your piece about him. Why I do mean, you like him? Bro, he's had such a crazy journey. So after he did that fun fact on him, he went and signed with the Orlando Apollos. Yeah. Uh, that's a semi-pro league. Uh, it was in the Alliance of American Football. Okay. Um, he went crazy, man. In eight games, I think he had like 22 receptions for a couple hundred yards. He ran yeah. for like three, four hundred yards in a, in a few games. So he just popped off. Where did he, he go to college? So he went to South Florida. Okay. He went to South Florida. He's from Florida. And, I mean, he's, if you've seen him play, he has a pretty stocky build. Yeah. I sound crazy because I feel like every show I'm talking about someone's height or weight or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but he's 5'10", 208. So mm-hmm. he's a heavy guy to bring down. He always falls forward. And a fun fact about him. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. What's your fun fact? My fun fact about him is that throughout his NFL career, so later obviously he signs with the Cleveland Browns. Over his NFL career, he has had about 137 rush attempts. Yeah. So that's over like the last three years, I think. Uh, his career average is 5.2 yards a rush. Mm-hmm. 
which is really impressive. Mm-hmm. 137 rush attempts, and he averages over five yards a game. Sure does. That's insane. Can I say who he kind of reminds me of, of a prospect coming out of college right now? Who? Jerome Ford. He's 5'11 oh. and 2'11, I think. And he, out of, uh, out of uh, Cincinnati, he was actually averaging about six yards oh. a carry uh, coming out of Cincinnati. So, I mean, just... Can I ask you something about Jerome Ford? Yeah, go ahead. So, did he start at Cincinnati or did he play for a different school? No, so, coming out of high school, he actually went to Alabama. Mm -hmm. And he went there and, I mean, he obviously just got uh, buried in the death chart. And if you follow his story or anything like that, um, he did some interviews and he said that it just didn't seem like much of a fit for him. And, I mean, I'm not sure exactly what that all entails or anything like that. He didn't get started in time. It very well could have been that. But, I mean, he did get he did get playing time early in seasons and stuff. But I don't know what the disconnection was. Obviously, he had Najee Harris and a lot of other backs there in front of him. Yeah. But 2019, I, mean, I think Jacobs was there. Or 2018, Jacobs was there. And then he got drafted in 19. I think so, but I don't know if he was there while Jacobs was there at all. I knew he had Najee Harris, uh, obviously Brian Ro- uh, Brian Robinson, you know, just stuff like that. And obviously he just got buried. So like he went to Cincinnati, where uh, they were actually recruiting him out of high school as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he went there right straight away. I I don't know. I think he started right away and he just popped off. But I mean. I could be wrong too. I, I, but I mean, he went there and he made an impact right away. And yeah. I mean, he was their workhorse this year while they went and were the number four ranked team in the nation. Yeah. And I mean, if you can be a Belcom, the number four ranked team in the nation, and you can be a receiving back like he showed he could be in high school, I just think all of those tools and, like you said, the traits, I mean, they're hard to bring down. And if mm-hmm. you can get. Someone who can catch balls consistently, which <laughs> I believe Jerome Ford can. Jerome Ford can, yeah. You know, like, I just think these are all positive signs of someone who, you know, like, he got to a smaller school, and, I mean, yeah, they went and popped off, and, I mean, even then, his name wasn't really associated all that much. It was typically, like, the Desmond Ritters, you know, Sauce Gardner, like, all these people, you don't really talk about Jerome Ford, but he was the bell call of that offense. Do you think that he emerges from this class as one of the best running backs? I a do. A couple years down the line? I do, man. Like, I know that you're really high on, like, some of these people, like... Obviously, we're both really... I like Isaiah Spiller more than I like Jerome Ford. See, and that's... I can't say that at all. Like, I would honestly have to put Isaiah Spiller around, like, my number seven... Or number eight running back in this class, and Jerome Ford I have as like my four or five. Really? Yeah. Do you think he's a starter? Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford. I, he's not going to be a starter this year, but I think wherever he goes, I think he's going to be getting reps. Do you think he has the potential to be yes, a starter for yes. a, for for an NFL team? Yeah, I think he has all the capabilities of being a three down back one day wherever okay. he goes. The reason I ask you that is because this is going to bring me to another topic. On another player that plays another completely different position. Who's that? Kenny Pickett. Oh, dude, Kenny and Pickett. Can I point out my smoke with you about Kenny Pickett and what you just said about Jerome Ford? Yeah. 
Jerome Ford played for Alabama in 2018 and then 2019. Yeah. He obviously didn't get reps. He didn't get start. He didn't get play time. Um, he just couldn't move up the death chart. Mm-hmm. In 2020, he transferred to the University of Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. And he was the backup to Jared Dokes. Okay. In 2021, in his senior season as a running back, he got his first year to start. Mm-hmm. Now, he obviously did a lot with it. He's projected to be drafted in the NFL, so obviously he's he's more than good enough. Yep. But my smoke with you is that, for whatever reason, you don't like Kenny Pickett because of his age. Right. Because of his, you know, supposed breakout age. Yep. And because he wasn't a star his first three years, or his first, you know, few years. Right. But... By the time he was a senior, he damn near led the NCAA, or was close to leading the NCAA in a lot of stats. In terms of QBR, he was ninth in the league, I want to say. Mm-hmm. In terms of passing yards, he was fourth. In terms of touchdowns, I think he was fourth in the NCAA. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at the people who had just left the year before, who were also extremely high on those leaderboards as well, it makes it a little bit easier uh, to make it up those leaderboards, especially when you look at how... Because of how many quarterbacks came out last year. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. when you look at that, when you look at how... That's a fair point. It seems like the offense was more tailored towards him this year. Like, they wanted to, like, amplify his draft stock. Yeah. Because when you look at his attempts, they're far more higher than what they were the years before, it seems like. And, mm-hmm. obviously, like, his completion percentage, I think, was a little bit higher this year. Yeah, of course. But... I mean, I but, think it was more the repetitions that really helped out his stock this year rather than, like, I don't know. Like, I didn't really like his play all that much. It seemed like he was never really comfortable in the pocket, like, when I was seeing him, uh, like, do his shit. Like, he just I, didn't have his speed set. Um, he was running out of clean pockets. He was rushing and getting sacked. I, I just, there's some things that I just don't like about him, which obviously you can coach out of him at an NFL level. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, when you're 23 going on 24 going into the NFL, I just, at that point, man, like, I could think about taking this guy, like, if I'm an NFL GM, like, maybe in, like, the third, dude. Like, personally. So I disagree with you on a couple of those things, and I'm gonna I'm gonna explain what those are. Yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah. So my thing about quarterback compared to let's say wide receiver, let's say running back, we could even throw tight end in there, mm-hmm. is that to be a quarterback, a starting quarterback in the NFL means that you are the apple of that team's eye. Mm-hmm. There's a lot less competition at your position than there is if you're a running back, if you're a wide receiver. Shit, if you're a tight end. Mm -hmm. So if Kenny Pickett gets drafted in the first round like he's projected to, Mm -hmm. he's going to go to a team in which he's the apple of their eye. He's the franchise. He's the billion-dollar boy. If that happens, and he's not, like, scratching and fighting his way up the charts or up the board, you know, for the coach... Right. And he's just p- penciled in as a starter. If you're good, you're good. Right. You feel me? So, like, with running back, you can be good, but if you're not great, you're not a three-down back. Mm-hmm. You can be good. Like, Jerome Ford is good. I don't know if he's great or elite. Kenny Pickett, he's good, and that's enough to get him starting reps. 
and to give him a job for three to four years or however long of his rookie contract that team is committed to him. We see a lot of that every year. We see a lot of quarterbacks like a Jimmy Garoppolo, like a Carson Wentz. Um, We just saw Geno Smith sign with the Seahawks, Drew Locke. You don't have to be great to have a starting job. Look at Jared Goff. Look at Kirk Cousins. Mm -hmm. Look at Baker Mayfield, even. You don't have to be elite or great to be a staple of someone's team and to get opportunity year after year after year. Sure. Well, I mean, my my biggest gripe with him is just at the end of the day, I just don't see a lot of fantasy value in him. Just because I don't see him being really close to, like, the top, like... 12, honestly, in, like, quarterbacks. Do you see fantasy value in Kirk Cousins? Not necessarily. I mean, like, I like the fact that he's a decent quarterback. Like, he he throws the hell out of the ball, which is cool. But at the end of the day, he's a Viking. And so, with that, I see no value. As a Packer fan, I agree with you on that. But in terms of fantasy, I mean, my man was QB 11 last two years in a row. He's had years in which he was QB6 and QB5. Right, but he's also... Kirk Cousins, I'm talking about. Yeah, but he's also an acclimated veteran at this point and has been given ample opportunities once he got... Well, obviously not to start his career, but once he got a chance. Yeah. He obviously didn't look back. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just... I think he also came into the league, like, younger than what Kenny Pickett is. And I mean that's I mean obviously age is a thing. I don't like I don't think it's always a knock and I know you hate when I bring it up. Well, Kirk Cousins. But I just think at the end of the day like I think Kirk Cousins is going to be a more su- successful quarterback than what Kenny Pickett is. I NFL. think Kenny Pickett's going to be the best quarterback in this draft for I, fantasy. For fantasy. I uh I'm going to humbly disagree. I think he's going to be better than Malik Willis. I think that... I think Kenny Pickett has the potential to be a star if he ends up somewhere like Pittsburgh. I think that Kenny Pickett is going to be the fourth best quarterback out of this draft. And this is supposed to be a pretty lackluster draft of quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And for some somehow they just all got hyped up like the last month. For some well, I mean, reason. He, he, yeah. Like everyone projected yeah. too. Like everyone projected like all these quarterbacks suck. Like no one's going to be going in the first. Yeah. And then somehow everyone's just like, oh, yeah, everyone's great. Mm-hmm. Like, dude, well, you could draft someone who could be a better starter than the... Oh, I'm sorry. You could trade for someone who could be a better starter and you're trading less capital. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're taking on a little more cap, but Jesus Christ. Like, some of these teams are stupid. So what I'll say is that... Justin Herbert coming into the league was very underrated. If you remember twenty, what was that? Twenty twenty, he got drafted in something like that. Twenty twenty, yeah. he was drafted. Coming into the league, Justin Herbert was underrated. Guys like Tua went above him in drafts. Uh, Joe Burrow went above him in drafts. Trevor Lawrence went above him in drafts. Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence was, was in a different draft. My bad, but you feel me? Like Justin Herbert wasn't. Justin Herbert went in the fourth and fifth rounds of a lot of rookie drafts for your dynasty leagues. He was underrated. He didn't break out until his fourth year as a senior at Oregon. Now, towards the beginning of his career, obviously his stats were pretty light when he was at Oregon. Uh, Towards the end of his career, I think his last year, 
he had 32 touchdowns on six interceptions. Yeah, but what you don't know about that Oregon team was that they finally got a new head coach in there who actually knew what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And with that, I mean, that coach is now at uh, Miami. Yeah. Uh, he just got uh, Christian or Cristobal or something like that is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, he, he was a really good coach for Justin Herbert, I think, too. Yeah. And so I think that really helped with his development. And I can't really say what Pitt's uh, coach's name is or anything like that. But one thing I know is that the Pac-12 is a better conference than the ACC when it comes to football. Yeah. And I would rather have my quarterback coming out of the Pac-12. Pat Narduzzi uh, is the coach for the University I have of Pittsburgh. no clue who the hell that is. <laughs> but, I mean... Like, that's obviously not a knock. Like, the head yeah. coach isn't always a knock, but I just think what he was able to do, like, Justin Herbert was able to lead him to the Rose Bowl and beat the Badgers. Mm-hmm. And you look at who is coming into the draft this year, you have, from the Badgers' defense, like, Leo Chanel, who, I mean, Chris, or, uh, Justin Herbert ran over a couple times in that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a couple beasts on the Badgers that year, and Justin Herbert made it look easy, honestly. And so I kind of knew at that point he was going to be a star. Yeah. Um. I mean, that's just someone who pays attention and stuff. I just, I don't know, man. Like, he just looked really good. His size is stupid. Like, I, I wanted know. I wanted every reason to shit on him during that game, but what he showed me was... So, if you look back at just or not Justin Herbert, but if you look back at Kenny Pickett, and yeah. I'm sorry to go so long about Kenny Pickett. So, if you look back at Kenny Pickett's season last year, I mean, he obviously bet on himself and he won. Sure. He kind of decided that, you know, I'm going to go back to college one more year, see if I can do this, maybe I can boost my draft stock, yep. and maybe I can make this a real career. For sure, man. I don't, like, just at the end of the day. He did it. He popped out and he did it. And that's something that I respect, just like as a man. Yeah. But beyond that, too, like, I want my quarterback to have a level of maturity coming into the league. Sure. I don't think that's a negative thing to have. Yeah, he played an extra year in college, but he's also going to come in more refined, he has more coaching under his belt. Yep. He's a little bit more mature, so he's ready to lead an organization. Yeah, that's what a lot of people were saying about like the Brady Quins and all those other people. That I were, understand that. That I were coming out that. old and whatnot. But yeah, let's let's bet on another kid who's doing the same thing. I think that the fact that the most negative thing about his profile was his hands. His hand size. And the other things that I was saying before, like his uh, inability to stay in the pocket... Quick feet. Um, like a, he, one thing he is good at is checking down when he's in bad situations. But it's not always guaranteed that the check down is going to get positive yards. Let's just say that. I don't know, man. He has good structure. Uh, I think his form is actually not terrible. I just wish he would twist more, have more torque. I know I'm not a quarterback, so what I say obviously doesn't mean shit. Mm-hmm. But when he throws, he seems to throw with more of his arm as opposed to his body. Yeah. Um, but the thing with him is, like, he still has good mechanics. He keeps his feet and shoulders square. He isn't very idle on his feet. He does navigate the pocket a lot. But at the end of the day, it worked in his favor. Last year, once again, fourth in the NCAA in touchdowns and yards, ninth in QBR, which means not only is he filling the stat sheets with 400, 500-yard games and a bunch of touchdowns, but he's being efficient by also not throwing turnovers. He has a high completion percentage. Mm-hmm. He's probably completing 67, 68% of his passes. QBR encapsulates all of those things that determines whether or not you're actually playing well yeah. or if you're just filling the stat sheet. 
And I mean, bro, to be tenth in the NC, ninth in the NCAA, that's that's a that's big, bro. Like you yeah. have to understand, there's other elite players. The NCAA. No, so I under gonna, yeah, I understand, but you can't I mean, always be first. But I mean, top ten, like I know, yeah, you gotta give the man his props and his flowers. I understand that, yeah. and we'll see if it translates to the NFL. But all I'm saying is, like, all these players that he's played against in the ACC, not all of them are gonna be playing in the NFL. And that's the truth for any conference, though. Right, but I think I would say it's more, it's more relevant and more prevalent than than others. And I say, and I really think, other than like the ACC, when you look at dominant schools, other than like Clemson, the last couple of years, yeah, and Clemson this year was even lackluster. Mm-hmm. I just I think the ACC was just not a great conference this year, and I think he got the best of that. Well, you know more about college football than me, so I'm not going to debate you on that. But what I will say is I like the guy. He has a great profile, 6'3", 220, great size last year. Seems to be mature. Worst thing I've seen about him is the fact that he has small hands. I'll take that. Um, I think he's going to land in a great predicament as well. If he goes to Pittsburgh, to the Pittsburgh Steelers, then you got a situation similar to Joe Burrow, where Joe Burrow stayed in Ohio. Um... He was a hometown kid, essentially. And Kenny Pickett to Pittsburgh would be similar to a hometown kid. So I think it's a great story. Great physical traits, great stats. I don't see why I'd bet against them. But at the same time, I can I can understand why you might have someone like a Malik Willis higher. Or is it Desmond Ritter? Yeah, I would Desmond have Ritter. him higher. I would also have Matt Corral higher as well. Okay. So that's that's fair. But another thing that I wanted to discuss was the biggest thing in the news this week. Yeah, what's going on with that, man? I wish we had like a breaking news. <laughs> I wish we had a breaking news sound so I could like maybe I. Yeah. What the hell are we doing? Yeah, Debo requested a trade from the 49ers today. That's kind of the big news. That's all I see on Twitter. That's all I see on socials. If you turn on ESPN, that's all you'll see in the in the in the bottom line. But he has apparently requested that he be traded from San Francisco, and San Francisco heard this and they responded, according to sources, and said something along the lines of, "We ain't fucking trading you." They didn't say that. They said, "We ain't fucking trading you." When when did they say they weren't gonna trade him? According to sources, at least. Okay, um, well, according to Adam Schefter. Okay, so let's let's walk this back a little bit. I think last week or the week before, we were talking about how the 49ers were quotedly open to any offer or any acceptable offers for Debo, and now we're going to a quote after he even confirmed that yes, I have requested. Now we have a source saying that. We ain't fucking trading them. According to Adam Schefter. Alleged. So, what the fuck? Like, at this point, what the hell do we really know? Like, it's stupid. I don't understand it. I don't understand why we even give it relevance if we have all these uh, contradicting statements. Like, it's so stupid, dude. Like, which sources are saying what and which sources are actually... It's a fluid situation. I mean... It's stupid, dude. So, Adam Schefter tweeted earlier that just because Debo Samuel has requested a trade, as Jeff Darlington reported, that doesn't mean that the Niners have to make one. But it is, at the least, another big subplot kind of going into the draft. And that's where we come in. Because no matter what happens in the NFL world, there's going to be some blowback in fantasy. For sure. Well, 
what do you think kind of happened? So, like, I've been hearing that, like, some of the reasons why he's not happy with it is because he's taking these hits. Like, what do you think about it? I think wherever he goes, he's going to be getting a bag. I think I would love it if he came to Green Bay. And I know that Green Bay would be able to pay him because we just had a 100 mil set aside for uh, for Devontae. So, like, if we could give him any bit of that, I think that would be extremely... Uh, it would be extremely beneficial to our offense because I think the floor is kind of, I think, looking for that chess piece as well. You know, I think he'd be able to utilize something like that. I know Rodgers really likes to touch passes yeah. because obviously it gets him a really easy reception. It does. And it's just another one of those kinks that you can throw into an offense. It confuses It, it makes people have to think a little more. Yeah, I agree so, with you. I don't know, like, if you have a chess piece like that, I know that the Packers would uh, be explosive. I know that, like, I can't say that, like, you'd, like you wouldn't miss a beat compared to, like, Rodgers and uh, Devontae. That's a completely Rod- different system at that point, though. Right. And so, like, it's going to take some time, but I think someone who's smart, like Debo, mm-hmm. and if he added someone like Rodgers to walk him through the offense, I think that that relationship could flourish into something we've, I mean, obviously something upwards said Rodgers and Devontae at some point, possibly. Yeah. You think Rodgers and Debo would just bond over the fact that they both hate San Francisco? Absolutely. Just, <laughs> you ready to kill these guys? And then you go out and do it. and then... They pop up. So, apparently from what I heard, Debo Samuel didn't, like you kind of said earlier, he wasn't really looking to be a wide back. Right. So, it's either you play me as a receiver or you trade me. And so we obviously don't know what's going to happen. This is being reported as a 420. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with that. Right. Debo Samuel is going to be a weapon for your fantasy teams. He was a weapon. Sure was. And I think he's still going to, regardless of where he goes, he's still a slant god. That's Michael Thomas. Bro, Michael Thomas hasn't been around the last couple of years, so I think he's lost his title until proven otherwise again. Are you, if you hold, if you have Debo Samuel on a dynasty team right now, are you holding him or are you trading him? I think that you got to hold him because I don't think he's necessarily going to go to a bad situation with his skill set. Mm-hmm. You know, like I just think he's too versatile as it is to be bad. Um, if he goes somewhere where, let's say, like, like I can't even think of, like, like other than, like, where he... Let's say he goes to the Eagles. Not the best situation, I would say. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, there's a lot of snapshare that he would have to share. Um, so, yeah, like, if you I don't think it'd to... be too much. I mean, it's just Devontae Smith out there. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you also have, uh... Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard. You have... There's Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell in the back. Yeah, the Miles, well, yeah... Uh, Ragnar or whatever, Ragger, Jalen Ragger. <laughs> yeah. Bro, low-key, I kind of wish the Packers would, like, vote him, like, a sixth and see if they could pick him up. Why do you like Jalen Rager so much? Well, it's just his abilities. Like, what This is, like, should... the third time you've told me this. Well, dude, like, just his abilities in college give me a little bit of, like, hey, like, if he was, like, in a different system, because it seemed like he got there. And, like, he didn't do anything his first year, but he never showed anything extremely bad. Yeah. It just seemed like he kept getting flooded with more and more wide receivers, and he was never able to be the top guy. And so, I mean, yeah, maybe he doesn't get much of a chance at the Packers, but at least it's a switch in 
uh, scenery. It's a switch in the ability to, you know, have an opportunity. He was a first-round pick before, dude. I just think, I mean, we just gave Sammy Watkins an opportunity. Here's what I'll say. And I'm going to run it back to the previous point of talking about Debo. Mm-hmm. With Debo, I'm trading him. I, regardless of even if he stayed in San Francisco, I think that a lot of his value came from just the amount of touches that he got. Sure, and so being able to rush the ball the He was able to rush years. the ball and get rushing yards that way and get more scoring opportunities that way. So you're telling me basically if someone isn't paying attention, if you're able to swoop a couple first and someone else, like, and like another yeah, value. Bro. If somebody is willing to offer you two first for Debo, for shit, you could definitely get one. But two, yeah. like, I'm doing it because I think that regardless, the way he scored fantasy points last year wasn't very sustainable. Okay. I know he started the season, I think... He was running the ball like 6% of the time or something like that. Um, by the time the middle of the season came around, he was running the ball more than 20% of the time. That More more than 20% of his touches mm-hmm. were rushing plays. So I think that that's something that you have to keep in mind. And I think that if he goes to a position in which he's just strictly a wide receiver, yeah. he's still going to be effective. You can still dump screens off to him. You can get him on slants, call him slant boy, whatever. Yeah. And you can shoot him, hit him down the field. But I think that also last year is probably going to be a career year for him. Probably. And you could trade up in a deep receiver class. If someone's willing to offer you a three or a four or a five, you can go get yourself a Drake London or a Traylon Burks. Facts. That potentially could play somewhat of a similar role, at least just have that physical advantage if that's what you're into. Mm-hmm. And then you can sustain that for a lot longer than I think Debo has left. Yeah, like, what if they trade someone or trade him to someone, like, let's say, the Jets, and they got, like, the 10th. And then they went out and got, like, Garrett Wilson. Like, that'd be crazy, Bro. dude. So, in fantasy, if you trade him for a first, you can still go get a productive receiver in his place mm-hmm. and have profits left over to, worst case, maybe hit again if you, if you bust, mm-hmm. if you miss out on your 2022 pick. Yeah. Draft again in 2023 and, you know, see what happens. Or if you hit, you can go get another first-round talent on your team. Right. And turn for Adebo Samuel, who, as you could probably predict, is going to see less touches from here moving forward. Mm-hmm. As opposed to what he saw last year. That's fair. His value is never going to be what it was. And um, also with his injury concerns, I know he got hurt during his rookie year. True. Missed a lot of his sophomore year. Last year was the first year fully healthy in his three seasons. And even then, like, there's concerns of him being banged up and Being stuff. banged up and playing. Yeah. So it's like, how long is this going to be good for? Right, and you know that he's just trying to get a bag, too. So, you know, I mean, obviously they offered him, like, a really big contract, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, like, he's obviously trying to get the most out of his money. And I don't think he's... As he should. And I don't think he's shying away from rushing the ball or anything. Like, if he does, he just wants to get paid for it. You know, which he like, should, which he should. Yeah, because he's just yeah. taking those extra hits. And mm-hmm. more power to him for that. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, man, like, he's just kind of, like you say, like, injuries maybe have some scares coming up in the near future. But, I mean, nothing too prevalent right now. So, I think you got to treat it like, hey, he is healthy. So, I, I, I don't know. I think wherever he goes, I think I would keep him. I would buy him if he, depending on the landing spot that he goes on. Like, if he gets traded somewhere, or even, shit, if he stays on the 49ers, I'd probably buy him. Mm-hmm. I really like him. 
But, like, I'm not going to overpay for him just because I know that, like you had said, the, we mm-hmm. could have just saw, like, his peak season. True. But I think he's still going to be, like, a top 15 wide receiver throughout, like, the next few years. And that's someone I, I would love to have You'd on my love team. to have. Yeah. I think so. it's an even trade either way. But I think that right now is when you would get peak value for him. Right. For sure. Yeah. You could probably swoop, like, a, like quite possibly two firsts, like, a first this year or next year. Yeah. Something like that. Or, like, a first, second. You know, something like that. Something of value. Another reason to keep an eye on the actual NFL trade of Debo Samuel going mm-hmm. to a different team is because right now in the first round, there's a lot of bad landing spots. There's a lot of landmines mm-hmm. for these incoming talented receivers. Right. Like, realistically, we don't want a receiver on the Jets. Dude, I mean, yeah, it depends on, like, the style of receiver. I mean, I have Elijah more myself, and I don't mind that at all. One thing that I'm a little afraid of, though, is I've been seeing some people mocking uh, Garrett Wilson to the Falcons. Or the Commanders. And I just feel sorry for them if they were to go there. That's going to happen to two good receivers. Yeah, it, it's... Well, I would hope that the Commanders would go, like, offensive line or something. I hope that they don't ruin either of those landing spots or ruin a landing spot for a receiver. Don't forget about the Giants and the Bears. Yuck. Well, the Bears, I don't think, are going to go out unless... Well, the Bears, they don't have a first-round pick. True. No, they don't. They traded it for Justin Fields last year, right? So, I mean, like, unless, like, they trade up and try to get one. Do you want to hear the teams in the top 20? Yeah, rattle I'll, them off for me quick. I'll run them off. There's a lot of teams with two picks. Jacksonville, Detroit, Houston, New York Jets, New York Giants, Carolina Panthers, Atlanta Falcons, mm-hmm. Seattle Seahawks, Washington Commanders, Minnesota Vikings, Houston Texans again. Baltimore Ravens, Philadelphia Eagles, New Orleans Saints, Los Angeles Chargers, and the Steelers at 20. Mm-hmm. There are three teams I want my receiver going to in that top 20. Yeah, it's not great. And all these people that a lot of you know fantasy folks are hyping up, such as a Garrett Wilson, such as a Drake London, all these people who are saying that these receivers have the highest upside in terms of the actual NFL draft capital... Yeah. They're going to go to shitty landing spots. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, like, one person I could... Well, one place I could possibly fathom a receiver going to, even though I would probably hate it, it would probably be the Texans. Just because I do have some sort of hope with Dougie Mills with getting them the ball. Dougie. And, I mean, yes, you have Brandon Cooks that they just signed to a longer-term deal. But I think if you were to have someone playing second fiddle down there... I think that that would be a really, really good, uh, I think that would be a good landing spot for someone. You know, just like to, I don't know. Like, you would step in as the number two regardless, and, I don't know, man, you'd be chilling. So, I think that would be a decent landing spot. Dougie Mills? Yeah. I like that. And they have Brandon Cooks there, too. Like, yeah, man. So, I just think if you can play second second fiddle there, you know, you can still average probably. You can probably get, like, 75, 80 targets this year, at least. From your boy? At least. From Dougie Mills. See, that's the thing, too. It's very possible because the Texans have a bad defense. So, they're going to throw the ball a lot. Yeah, playing from behind and whatnot. They're going to play from behind. And they actually believe in Davis Mills. I think that this dude could be the future. Right. 
So I think that it's very possible that they could go get somebody to pair alongside Brandon Cooks. They drafted Nico Collins last year. Yeah. We'll see how that works out. But, I mean, if Davis Mills is the truth, you could have three underrated receivers in Houston. For sure. And another thing to think about as well is Houston obviously being down a lot means they're going to have a lot of balls in the air. Mm-hmm. And that's going to create a lot of opportunities and targets. Right. So whoever goes there is going to see probably top dog target share. Right. And so that's just, so when you're talking about landing spots, that would probably be one of the three that you're probably talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like that. Um, Commanders, no thank you. I mean, I just don't believe in Carson Wentz. So if they, I would honestly like them to get something else other than a wide receiver there. They have yeah. Curtis Samuel there already. I think with Terry McLaurin holding out. They or have wait, to go I'm sorry, Curtis Samuel's not there anymore. He yeah. is there. He's yeah. there. Yes. I I was right. So yep. he, right. So he's there. Yeah. And then they also have Scary Terry. I just think they're kind of set with wide receiver right now. They don't really need like a third weapon. They need. I mean, a lot of other things to I go think they're right gonna through. Go, I think they are surefire to get a wide receiver first round. That is... Because regardless, you need to pair somebody with Terry because Terry hasn't been... Like, Terry's a really good receiver. But you but just in said term, they have Curtis Samuel, too. Bro, Curtis Samuel was hurt half of last year. Yeah, but he's not going to be guaranteed hurt all this but year. But he's never been a top-end receiver. He's like a gadget guy. Bro. He's a gadget guy. He's a smaller, like, Debo to an extent. But, I mean, I think that you could go get a Garrett Wilson or a top-end elite wide receiver mm-hmm. to pair alongside Terry, and that helps you when you have a quarterback like a Carson Wentz or um, you could even say... Back up for who? Taylor Heineke. Yeah. I mean, you want to have the best of the best when it comes to receiving options and weapons. Right. I don't think it's far-fetched that the commanders draft a running back this year, man. Well, I don't think they're going to draft that running back with their number 11 overall. No, God, no. But, but yeah, round, yeah. yeah, I could definitely see them taking like a Kenneth Walker or a Brees Hall if they're available. I think they do it, man. I think Rivera loves a rushing offense the way right. he was the catalyst to Christian McCaffrey. So you know that he loves kind of ground and pound football. Play good defense, run the ball well, quarterback don't make mistakes. That's Yo, the school and culture minimize he's from. It. So I don't think it's too far-fetched that dude sees a Brees Hall or a Kenneth Walker in the draft right. available to him at the second round, and now you have a two-headed backfield right. with, with Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. Bro, you can do whatever you want on the ground. Yeah, because you have that uh, the receiving ability of, uh, so, of CMC. You yeah. have the downhill downhill ability of going like with uh, Brees Hall maybe. Well, and you also have Antonio, Antonio Gibson, Gibson, who yeah. I mean, you could definitely utilize more like power situations for mm-hmm. sure. So yeah, man, like that's that's unreal, and he could definitely be a vulture. The the all the additional reason why I think the Washington Commanders are going to get a running back is because if Antonio Gibson gets hurt. You're stuck with J.D. McKissick, who's a good, you know, pass catching back. Yeah. But do you want him running the ball 20 times a game every week? Probably not. So, yeah, you're right. Yeah. That and Jared dude. Patterson's the backup. And his, Jared Patterson, I love. He hasn't shown much, though. He hasn't shown much. And he's probably the smallest back in the room. Yeah. So, I think that they're going to go and get a guy in the draft who can, at minimum, serve that backup role. 
but ideally would be someone who could come in and get reps from year one. Mm-hmm. So if I have Antonio Gibson, yeah, I'm selling right now. That's that's fair. Completely irrelevant. I know we didn't even mention his name earlier, but if I got Antonio Gibson, I'm selling him this week. That's fair. This week. You Give did. A, I did. I got the second pick in the draft. That's a flex. I wouldn't. Have, I I did not want to trade either my four or my tenth for him. So that's kind of a flex that you got a second for him. I got the second pick in the first round, one v one for Antonio Gibson. Good for you, man. And I'm pretty happy about that. My team sucks, <laughs> so I need early draft capital. What are you thinking about getting with that one two? I'm debating Kenneth Walker or Traylon Burks. Mm-hmm. Kenneth Walker, if he ends up somewhere like the Buffalo Bills, Buffalo Bills. If Packers, he goes to the Buffalo Bills. Chiefs. If Kenneth Walker ends up, shit, even on Chicago, because David Montgomery's in a contract year. They got Khalil Herbert in the backfield, but I mean, yeah, Kenneth Walker could step in, and Chicago always is good for a good running back. Yeah. Matt Forte, Montgomery, like, yada, yada. list kind of goes on with them. Yeah. But there's a lot of good landing spots for those backs, and we could easily see, let's say, Brees Hall ends up somewhere like Los Angeles. Right. Where he's splitting snap share with a PPR style back like Austin Eckler. Mm-hmm. So that kind of splits everyone different ways because he's not going to get that workload or he's going to have a limited upside because he's not catching passes. Yeah. They have a guy for that already. And we can see a Brees Hall, or I'm sorry, not Brees Hall, but we could see a Kenneth Walker end up somewhere like a Houston. He can end up somewhere like the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. He can end up somewhere like the Bills. Right. Offenses that have a lot of receiving weapons, offenses in which he would slide in and be the best running back in the room, and offenses that score a lot. Yeah. I know the Dolphins were expecting them to because of Tyreek Hill, Mike Gusecki, all the weapons, but... What about the Seahawks? I mean, they have uh, Rashad Penny and stuff right now, but like other than that, they don't have much other... I wouldn't want my running back on the Seahawks. Right. No, I don't know if I would want that either. Just because they're going to be the down pick early. In the draft. Not with the second pick in the draft. Well, I have... If it was Brees Hall, I would do it. Yeah. But if it's Kenneth Walker, no. That's fair. No. Yeah. Because I, I think... you I can respect that. Kenneth Walker is a starter, but you can center your offense around Brees Hall. Yeah. And, I mean, when you look at the Seahawks, they, they aren't about to go center. Their offensive ground, no fucking running back. No. No. Yeah, you need someone kind of just to eat up yards and, you know, get like 20, 25 carries a game, and that's exactly what uh, Kenneth Walker can do for you. That's facts. Reese Hall can obviously give you a little bit more of a receiving aspect. And then I guess I kind of I, – I don't want to talk about it too long, but Traylon Burks is also there. Yeah. And because of the recent Debo Samuel drama, Debo coming out saying, yo, I don't want to be a wideback. Right. But that's the exact same role that Traylon Burks played in college. So when he gets drafted to a team, that's a possibility. Right. What's the trend going to be like that? Or what is the trend going to be for wide receivers moving forward? Mm-hmm. I think Debo, I think this Debo Samuel case is going to be influential not only for how GMs pay their receivers, but yeah. for how receivers conduct business. We already see A.J. Brown like deleting shit off his Twitter. Yeah. Like, that's it's becoming a thing now. Right. So this is going to be extremely influential, and he's going against boy genius Kyle Shanahan and the Golden 49ers franchise. Facts. And if he comes out victorious on the other side of this, I don't foresee a lot of receivers getting ran like running backs. No. But also number one or number two options in the receiving game within the first four years. 
And then when you get to the time to negotiate a second contract, they pretty much ran you into the ground already. Right. I know Debo's been injured a lot in the past, but if you continue to use him the way that they used him last year, he's going to have a lot more injuries to come. And that's not something that I like if I'm him. Right. And as I said earlier, that's not something I'm really trying to buy in fantasy, which is why I might potentially fade Traylon Burks. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I, I get that. But, I mean, he still has a really... I, yeah, I, I don't know what I would do there either, honestly. I mean, mm-hmm. me personally, like, I need running backs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I would probably... Personally, I'd probably, yeah, fade Burks a little bit. Probably take uh, Walker. Yeah. AJ Brown, AJ Brown, who's the closest comp to Burks, is also in a... I don't know if that's how his contract negotiations are working. But he's a big physical receiver. They use him in a bunch of different ways. Right. And he's also like, yo, I'm not coming to training camp until you pay me. Because y'all use me too crazy out here. Traylon Burks is essentially stepping into that situation. But he's bigger than both of them, I think. I think he... Traylon Burks is like 6'2 or 6'3. And he's like 220. 6'3, 220. Yeah, so he's bigger than Debo for sure. But I don't know if he's much bigger than... uh, um, Debo or AJ Brown? Yeah, thank you, AJ Brown. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was thinking Antonio Brown. I was like, no, it's not him. Yeah, but yeah, that's yeah. He's I think he's about the same size, if not just a, uh, slightly bigger than him. So, but like, if you could utilize him like a uh, Debo, especially early, mm-hmm. shoot, man, like obviously he might be in the same like situation four years down the road, having to pay someone early. But you never know what the market's gonna be like or. Where are the caps going to be like in so, four years? Actually, speaking of tall receivers getting paid, mm-hmm. uh, Alan Lazard just signed a tender to come back to the Packers. He did finally sign it. He signed it. Good show. So he's going to come back. His he signed a deal for like two point something million dollars. Good stuff. Good for um, him. He's obviously, like I said earlier, a big receiver. Dude, yo, Alan Lazard's six five. Yeah, dude, he's a lot bigger than what people really project. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he's six five, like two twenty. Like, he, he literally could, like, that's He's why like I London size. Yeah, that's why I didn't want, like, all these people, like, in the beginning of, like, the draft process, they're like, oh, Drake London would be perfect. It's like, bitch, we already got one. I told you, but do you think Drake London runs better routes than Alan Lazard? Not necessarily, no. That's what I'm saying. They both high point the ball well. They both do it at a pretty good level. Alan Lazard had eight touchdowns last year. Yeah. I don't get the hype on Drake London because if he, if we're already talking about separation issues... And we have m- countless scenarios of receivers who come in with similar profiles to him. Yeah. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, obviously Alan Lazard, yeah. Colin Johnson. You think about these big, tall receivers that have, quote-unquote, high catch points, yep. but maybe they can't separate or run a route super well. When do they really succeed? Like, Mike Evans is a freak. Yeah, he might be, like, the anomaly of them all. Mike well, Evans is a freak of nature. Like, you should not expect Mike Evans out of every person. Yeah, you have Mike Evans, you have Megatron, you have... Metcalf, they ribbed on his routes, but he's just another physical freak of nature. Right, he's another one. Um, But other than that, man, like... I guess you could probably put Drake London in that class, but... Sure. If you're going to but go... But he's type... slower than all those guys. True that, too. Like, Mike Evans is faster than him... And so is DK. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, like, when you're 6'5", you don't have to be the fastest. 
But, I mean, then you're kind of talking about, like, a lower mid receiver like a Michael Pittman. And I would not spend a first on Michael Pittman. All these people are talking about separation stats. And they're saying how not important it is because it matters who your quarterback is. Or if you're good enough, you don't need separation. Yeah. Bro, I think the most astounding case was from, like, Devontae Parker or somebody. Who had, like, no separation but... When target, you know, one of those dumbass fantasy stats. It's yeah, like, and I I remember hearing about someone, and they're talking about like how they're just like the most like Devontae Parker is like almost like the most like natural born athlete in like the league. Yeah, because like he's just able to go up and get stuff like that, like people yeah. don't expect. But even so, like Devontae is so far, he's always been so far from the elite when it comes to wide receivers. Right, and he's always been hurt as well. When you're drafting Drake London, you're being asked to spend the fourth or fifth pick in your first round of your rookie drafts. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want Devontae Parker from spending that capital. I don't want Alan Lazard. Mm-hmm. But I don't want Colin Johnson. Right. But because he went to USC, like he gets a little bit more clout, and you know what I mean. Doesn't like, deserve it. Yeah. He played basketball. Oh wow, bro! So did fucking who's the dude on the Colts? Michael Pittman. No, the tight end Mo Ali Cox. Mo Ali Cox played basketball in high school, and like, he's very athletic, but he's also never done anything on the anything crazy, at least like on the right, field, yeah, or in fantasy, which right. is what we care about. So that's my little spiel on Drake London. Whatever. Uh, Alan Lazard, the reason I brought his name up is because we also signed uh, Sammy Watkins as a Packer fan. Yeah, dude, that's crazy, man. I'm excited about that uh, or about uh, that signing. I don't know what I'm going to really expect from it. Mm-hmm. I think when you're looking at what the Packers are going to do, I think they still have an obvious need of drafting uh, one or two wide receivers, at least for long-term use. Yeah. So, like, in, like, the first or second, whether it be – or even like a first and like a third or second a second, mm-hmm. you know, you, whatever it may be. You make it work. But yeah, like if you, I think they still spend at least like two picks early on a wide receiver, and then one mm-hmm. later on like a speedster, like a like a John Michi. No, John Michi's gonna be gone in like the second or third, and yeah. like the NFL draft. Mm-hmm. But like on uh, Traquan Thornton or uh, Danny Gray. Uh, something like that, or uh, wow. Vallis Jones out of Tennessee, wow. who we've touched on. Wow. You know, like someone like that, you know, like someone who gets you, because what those guys are elite at is separation. Wow. And so if they can be elite in separating in college, you can at least translate some of that to the NFL. Mm-hmm. And all those guys are actually decent at uh Punt returning, kick returning, stuff like that, mm-hmm. which the Packers also need. So they need some special teams help for sure. Sure do. For sure. Uh, what do you think Sammy Watkins does in that offense? Where do you rank him in terms of wide receiver one, two, three, four? Not even startable. Uh, well, I mean, on that offense, I think he's gonna be the two. Uh, so I think when you're thinking fantasy wise, I think you could solidify him as either. If you're stretching for a two, like on like a bye week or something, I could think he could probably fill that. Otherwise, I think he could definitely be almost your everyday flex. I mean, okay. let's just see how it goes. Like during mm-hmm. like the like if they were to play the last preseason game or how they integrate him, basically. But I I, I think in like week one, like I think you'd be fine 
having him as like a flex. I think so too. I think that Sammy Watkins is going to be a consistent flex for like six weeks straight out of the season. Yeah. I obviously don't wish injury or anything like that on anyone, but I could see him getting hurt. Yeah, if you look at the track record, I mean, it typically happens around that. Around like the middle of the season. Yeah. Green Bay, like. But I mean, if you have uh, Sammy Watkins with Aaron Rodgers, maybe he puts him through like uh, the Porsche camera. Um, routine that Rodgers go through. Oh, where he throws up. Yeah, and all that stuff, and maybe that helps oh. Sammy Watkins get all of his demons out of him, and maybe he never sees an injury ever again. Wow. Do you think Sammy Watkins listens to Juice World? I don't know. Juice World has a song called Demons. Do you think Sammy Watkins would enjoy that? I'm not going to go in on my music tastes right okay. now, especially about Juice World. Fair enough. Um... But I don't know if he listens to him or not. I bet he's more of like a J. Cole guy because we saw that one uh, Instagram post uh, where he said uh, the climb back. So is he climbing back in the Cole world by playing in Lambeau Field? I think he is. Yeah, it's a really wow. good uh, way to put it all together. Wow. Way to put it all together. Sammy Watkins, wide receiver four. <laughs> this is Ja. <laughs> Sammy Watkins wide receiver I, I put him as a flex Not a four Wow um, This is Dugo though Appreciate you guys listening again Hopefully you guys don't hate us too much Come back for uh, Worst fantasy advice next week Appreciate it y'all